Attention bobsled riders, you will soon be embarking on a thrilling podcast down the icy slopes of the Matterhorn. So please remain seated keeping your hands, arms, feet and legs inside the bobsled at all times. Auf Wiedersehen! Hello Yodlers, I am your host, Jay Firth, and we are the Matterhorn Yodlers. With us today is Jackie and Lion Roar. There's the lion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of NPR and they're always all like, hello, and we are. No. <laughs> so we are here today. We are going to discuss underrated films. There's always this film that you bring up. That people always forget, but then once you say it, they light up like a Christmas tree. They're like, oh yeah, that's real. Oh, I love that movie. Like, they just stop with it. But it's like, it's forgotten. Mm -hmm. And the Disney parks, or in reference to those like clickbait, like best Disney movies, or like... They're all rubbish. Yes. They're all rubbish. All those... They're just, they just tell you the information you already know. It's like, okay, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. But you still click it. You do. Yep. And now you're going to click this underrated That's right. bait of an episode. You're like, what are the, what, what, which ones are they going to talk about? What are they going to talk about? Yes. So this is we always discuss this with Tess's family, my wife's family, where they bring up films that are just like, oh, this movie's the best and this one. And I'll be like, mm, I don't know about that. But they bring it up and there's such passion. And so we're just going to give a couple that we kind of think that deserve a second look by some fans or they need some recognition where people are like yeah i'm not alone with liking this film um some of them may not be like underrated but maybe forgotten yes, yes. you know they may have made some big money but time has passed and they've just washed away and i think we need to kind of brush them off and share the dime in the rough they are and make them princely i mean no um, <laughs> so we're gonna first start off with Jackie, mm -hmm. and what film are you first going to bring up? So I'm going to bring up Treasure Planet. So a lot of... So why why, why this movie? Because this movie is notoriously like... Right. Like, it's just like people put it in one group. Yeah, people would consider this almost a flop of a movie. Um, but then there's also another whole side of on the internet uh, are fans of Treasure Planet. So the internet fans. Yeah. It's like one of those things like when you go to like Rotten Tomatoes you see the, the critic scores go like it was horrible 40% and then you see the uh, um, the audience you know and it's always like 89%. Yeah. The Brandon Fraser group that just love and live and die by this. Right. This. Yeah. Um, so, Treasure Planet was released 2002 in November. So, this was, like, this is the big, this like... This is Pixar movie, this like, release time. This is big movie, holiday season, Disney's throwing out Treasure Planet. Budget was, like, around $140 That's a million. a um, Gross was about $110 million. So, they lost money. They lost money, but not, like... Horrible compared to other movies, okay. I would say. Um, I was trying to see what other movies were coming out around this time. 
The closest I could see was Santa Claus 2, which did really well. I love that movie. <laughs> A lot of people one? don't like it. I like it. You like the second one. Okay. Yeah. Catch Me If You Can also was released. Oh, that was, a, that was a good Catch Me If You Can. That one was a good That one. was the big hit. I mean, that was around Christmas time, but this was released end of November. Oh, Spielberg so. and Tom Hanks. Oh, man. So, I mean, there were yeah, some big hitters crap. there. Um, nothing, like, animated that was, like, competing, I would say. Uh, but Treasure Planet... It was always one of those things on the Academy Awards. It's like, all right, who's going to win the animated Oscar? Is it going to be Pixar? Is it going to be Disney? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Uh. <laughs> it's true. So Treasure Planet is obviously themed after the classic book, Treasure Island. Who's the author of that? Oh. It was like Stevenson, I think. I've read the book. He died. Treasure Treasure Island? Yes. Yeah, I, I think know. I think he died a tragic death. Like, he was in Guam and he died. Or Samoa, that's what it was. Sorry, I'm like, I'm <laughs> rambling. Um, so it was, uh, Treasure Planet was a passion project for John Musker and Ron Clements, uh, who, of course, are directors that were responsible for, like, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Moana. Um... And so you're welcome. Yep. <laughs> um, it's uh, so there's a couple of things that I would say that were stand out to it. Obviously, it was. Let me see here. Okay, so it it has a really strong villain, Long John Silver. It's the villain. What makes him a good villain in this? He, I felt like he was, he had such a good character. He wasn't like 100% like, I am pure evil, bad. I heard he has good charisma. But like, he is, he's selfish in his own way, but then also grows an attachment to the main character. Yeah, that's what I, I listened to a YouTube video about like good things about it. And he goes, his mentorship of... Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Hawkins, um, and how he's kind of filling in that father role and giving yeah. him a mentorship, and you get that weird Goo Goo Dolls song in there, that, like, <laughs> feel-good um, song. I was like, oh, this takes me back to the early 2000s right. with, like, them singing the song. So, like, I, I can see what you're saying, where he's not all bad, but he is... So, yeah. Well, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just bad guy. <laughs> Um, so I think he is also considered an underrated villain. Underrated? Wow. So, well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't show up in any parades or anything like that. <laughs> That's true. That'd that would be a hard, would, be a hard <laughs> one to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are my thoughts about Treasure Planet. There's a huge following about it. It has, It was kind of like the new transition animation where they were going more... Half and half. More kind of computer operated than the hand drawing um, animation. And I think this is also a very popular film with the millennials. I would say so. I know a lot of people that grew and loved this movie. They love the main character. It's still Jim, right? Jim. 
is the main character. Jim Hawkins. Jim Hawkins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't like know they, if it was John or Jim. Yeah. No, sometimes they like to slightly change him, but uh, they, you know, people re- really relate to that sort of like angsty character uh, personality. Yeah. Um, that almost rebellious spirit, because like you know, you look at you know all the old Treasure Islands or Muppet Treasure Islands, and they're just they're still just kind of like. We're little kids. Yeah. Mm, we're gonna do this thing. Whereas he's got like kind of got uh, more. He, he's got more depth uh, of a character. Mm, I can see that. I also like the captain in the movie. It kind of brings in like a strong like female character yeah. of the captain, um, which was new to Disney. I would say like of a not of like the main character, but a strong supporting character i can see that so i felt like they were testing the waters of some new character development character dynamics and yes. plus you you the movie follows the general theming of the original book but yes and or including a a what is it um a 18th century steampunk yeah uh futurism style to it yeah and that that's probably another contributing factor to why it has that kind of cult following uh is that steampunk uh tone that you see with the ships and the planet itself yeah well it's just cool that you see like a classic like sail ship but in space it's just way cool and the graphics of it is it's just a new style of animation i feel like and I'll get into it with my other movie, but, like, it was a newer, like, genre of sci-fi animation. That's true. This this is kind of the beginning of a sci-fi animation. Was there ever a sci-fi yes. Disney animated film? Atlantis. Atlantis, but prior to this new genre. No. Like, Not from Disney. I know. They always was, stuck with a the classic. There was that one. What was it? Titan AE? You guys remember that yeah, one? Yeah, but that wasn't that Fox. That was, I think that was Fox. Yeah. I that think. was popular. Wonder why that one's not on Disney Plus yet. <laughs> maybe a distribution, like maybe Probably. They could distribute it, but it was owned by another like Probably. So so that's my thoughts on Treasure Planet. Now I'll go into my second movie, which is Atlantis. I really enjoy Atlantis. Yes. There it's was really a, good. There was a lot of excitement for this. Like I remember there were so many shows that came out about where Atlantis could actually be and all that stuff. Like there was like this that movie, like, before it came out, drew some excitement over this. There was a history with like Bermuda Triangles yep. and so yeah, there was there was a lot of hype around this time period with those types of shows. Yeah, movie came out two thousand one in the summer. So this was the big summer movie of Disney. Disney had high hopes for this movie but so much that like they had already TV shows. They had already decided that the submarine ride was going to become the Atlantis attraction. That they even had like a banner. On the thing, saying, like, Atlantis Expedition. It makes sense you could do that. Yeah. And it lasted, like, two weeks <laughs> until it... So... Take it down, take it down, quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw this. <laughs> budget was $120 million, 
Uh, overall gross worldwide, 186 million. Yeah. It's... It made money, but not as much as they yeah. wanted. It's not it. as much as like Hercules and Mulan and Stitch, you know, and they, they look back, I was, I was telling my siblings that I finished the Bob Iger, you know, um, biography and he's talking about during this time period where you know they even consider hercules as not a successful film and i'm like what yeah it's the best one in my book but it's you know from a company standpoint money yep like merchandise mm-hmm. and park you know uh, influences why you're not like going to see a hercules attraction anytime soon yes well, in other movies that came out around this time, Cats and Dog, which did better. Oh, gosh. Cats and Dog. I actually remember that movie. I remember it, yeah. I remember going to see that movie, and I remember that movie actually was funny. Yeah. At least when I was that age. I don't know about now, but... And then, of course, Monster Sing came out that year, but a little bit later in Usually the year. Usually I remember. Um, but, yes, yeah, so... Uh, the... This was the first science uh, science fiction animated movie that Disney came out with. Um, kind of playing off the Jules Verne kind mm-hmm. of style. Yes. Yeah, I think, and you know, it was it was released a year before Treasure Planet, so I'm sure there was a little bit of similar. I can see that. work animation probably the working together on that. Yeah, you can see the the CGI work in both of those movies are fairly similar looking. And then some of the main points that really stood out to me was uh, the uh, princess that's in it. Uh, is it's Kida or Kida? Yeah, Kida. Kida. I just remember Spock's voice as like the dad. Oh yeah, the the chief or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy. So she's like one of the first uh, princesses that doesn't need no man. She took care of herself. Girl power. She was full on girl power. She was probably one of the first independents. Why couldn't they sell the crystals? Those would have been really cool merchandise. I'm sure they did. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like it lights up or something. Mm -hmm. I remember, actually, they would have it in, like, cereal boxes. They may have. Because I remember having one. Oh. Okay. So. I was 16 at the time, so it's, like, it's really <laughs> hard to get into Disney movies when you're, like, Fast and the Furious is coming out. Yes. And so, like, I was into, like, those type of movies, so... At the time, it was hard for me to get into Disney movies. What? I, was, I didn't have a problem with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I did. There's periods of time where I'm like, I never saw this movie until I was in my like mid-20s when, you know, like, oh, let's watch this movie. Okay. And then you're like, wow, that was really good. Why didn't I see this when it first came out? And so... You got caught by the stigma of, oh, it's a Disney movie. It's for kids. But, like, we would still go to the movie theaters, but I just don't remember going to these movie theater, like showings for treasure planet we didn't or... i don't remember okay. so much like i remember like yeah yeah i think I during that time more. we were more like the dollar theater we have pole <laughs> no, <dollar store. laughs> no it wasn't even that i think, I don't think so. well we, this was an era of disney animation that really wasn't that we went great. to pixar i remember going we to went to pixar Pic- yes we did all the pixar ones that was always but, like, the Disney animated ones weren't doing Again, so good. We was... got Home on the Range. 
How excited were we about Roseanne the cow? <laughs> this was a time, I would say, of a transition period of Disney and animation. Yes, that is agreed upon we, by everybody. We are we are no longer in a in the Renaissance era, yeah, the yes. golden second golden age. Is that what they were? I don't to know it? what the era is called now. I forgot what they call it. So this is called the Dark Age. Dark no, age the da- the Dark Age would be considered the seventies. Yeah, the seventies would be the, considered the Dark Ages. Yeah, where you end with a uh, black cauldron. Black cauldron would be probably <laughs> as dark end. as you're gonna get with the movies. And I also loved Milo in Atlantis because he was like that Indiana Jones but probably more realistic very like in the books and more like an Indiana Jones fan (laughs) Indiana Jones alright let's take it easy with that but yes he is kind of that academic but the one that we all like if you were like a nerd seeking adventure you would want to be like Indiana Jones but yeah he's he's the fan he's the the fanboy so like it Think about the fandom you're excited about, and you got taken on this historical journey on your fandom, and you're like, ooh, this is what connects it. It's like when you watch a new Marvel movie, and you're like, oh, this connects to this and that and this. Oh, And then your wife's like, I don't get it. Right. (laughs) It's like that. Yeah. So when I watch Star Wars, I have to explain everything. Yep. So I think, and now you can only meet, like, Milo and Kida and probably... Is that right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's key. Okay. Um, at, like, Halloween parties, Christmas parties. Yeah. That'd be a fun one. The movie. special, special parties. The special parties. meet and greets. But you have to pay extra to see these characters that nobody paid to go see in the movie theater. But, I mean, I would say most kids probably have never seen this movie. Have your kids seen this movie, Peter? Um, Atlantis. Atlantis. I know my wife has put okay. on. Okay. Um, Treasure Planet, no. But Atlantis, yes. Did they sit through it? No, I don't think they did sit through <laughs> it. Me and my wife sat through it. But I don't well, think the kids did. I was also reading, these movies, I think they were leaning more towards adults than kids. I, I, I get the sense this was, I mean, my wife calls these, these are boy movies. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't resonate with with her and some of them were just like, oh, that's a boy movie. Like I'll be like, oh, I like Lad, boy movie. Oh, I like Hercules, boy movie. You know, there's just, you know, you think of like, oh, Princess of the Frog, girl movie. movie. You know, Beauty so and like the bees. they they were Rapunzel. you had themes and they had target audience and you know maybe they chose the wrong audience group with this one. Yeah, so those were my two movies. Yeah, I, I, I like the Atlantis movie. Um, I try to watch Treasure Planet, and I've read the original Treasure Island book, and I've watched Muppet Treasure Island, and it's just so hard not to compare. And so when you compare, you're going to steal you're just gonna the go... joy out of watching the movie you're watching because you're just like, well, they did it better here. I'm like, that's not a very good Kermit, or like, right. that's not a very good Long John. Like, what about this scene? They totally could. That would have been good here. And it's kind of hard with. Where's Cabin Fever? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to do? <laughs> you know, like, so, like, that. that's what was really hard for me from finishing this movie. But I've been told by multiple fans that they love Treasure Planet. And so. I miss it, but it doesn't mean that it's not an underrated film. Yep. It's got a following. All right. Uh, thank you, Jackie. 
Now, Peter, you're going to share us uh, the lion that you have introduced in this show. That's the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. That's right. I'm going to be talking about the Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I actually like, went back and like watched that SNL skit. I brought it up during the meeting. You brought it up, and I was like, okay, i got to watch this now. And it's just... It's a skit where they talk about them going to go see the Chronicles of Narnia. It's a silly, silly, silly SNL skit. But uh, so for those that don't do not know, the Chronicles of Narnia is based off of a book series written by C.S. Lewis. Um, the first one that was made was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Then we went to Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Trotter. Uh, then we went to the, I think the I think he made. The Silver Chair, um, next, and then I'm trying to remember the the horse and the boy, horse and his boy, and the last battle. I think I'm. My dad will probably correct me when it's we're done a, with one this. Of his but, uh, favorite book it was his, yeah, absolutely, and that's how I got introduced to it. I learned about this series because he introduced it to me. He said, "Hey, you, I need to do a book report," and he said, "Why don't you read this one?" So I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and it was a great book, and I read I read up to uh, Voyage of the Dawn Trotter, um, which, by the way, is my favorite book. But uh, uh, who was it? It was uh, Walden Media was the ones who were making the movie, uh, and so they went to Disney to distribute and produce the movie. Uh it's it's a movie that the first one, The Lion, Witch of the Wardrobe, which came out in 2005. Um, and keep in mind, the novel was written back in 1950. So this is, we're talking... So you got a lot of people who were affected by this book series. Correct. And, like, and, and this is in this. the era of like Harry Potter. Yeah. And a lot of these, mm-hmm. it was in this era of books turning into movies. Yes. And, and Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you, you've got all this, like, a lot of these book fans are like, hey, the, the movie isn't as good as the book. Well, when it comes to this series, I honestly feel like the movies do the books justice. Because they are more simple books, they're children's books, so, like, they're able to hit on all the details that's found in the books within the movies without having to skip several things. And so that's where I feel like this series of movies did really well at is they were able to portray what happened in the books properly in fact in some ways uh in consideration for prince caspian i think they did a better job than the book um but uh it's the the story uh starts with uh four uh siblings the you got peter susan edmund and lucy uh, who they get uh, taken out of London because of the London Blitz during World War II when Germany was bomb- bombing London. So they get they got uh, shipped out to the countryside to stay at uh, this man's mansion. A recluse of a man. Yes. And so the professor, the they call yes. him the professor. Yes. Uh, and so, and they're not allowed to touch anything, but... Eventually, they end up walking through this mysterious war, hide, trying to hide in this mysterious wardrobe and end up being teleported and taken into this land called Narnia. Um, and it's about their adventure. 
uh, where they meet the White Witch and they meet Aslan the Lion and uh, learn about their role in in uh, in the land of Narnia that they were foretold to come sort of a prophecy sort of stuff here so like the story's really good the solid it's again it's a story that's written back 1950s so like and it still has a strong fan base today so like you can tell it's a good story because the stories lasted this long you could there are hundreds of stories that were written that nobody cares about today that were written five years ago my wife said that it has a strong Christian... I haven't watched the movies or read the books, but she goes, it has a very strong Christian theming, and so that allows to really... And it's not, like, over the top, but it's just enough to where you can you can see the parallels that she was saying with it and where it can really just be passed down, especially with, with families looking for good content and, yeah, and, and good media. And C.S. Lewis, he is a Christian writer... But that actually was not his intention yeah. when he wrote this it's series. Not, but it's he hard just, for it to manifest. Correct. And, and like he goes, I didn't mean for there to be connections, but there just happened to be connections it's to... It's like George Lewis is like, well, there's some Buddhism with the Jedis right. and stuff like it, but yeah. he didn't write it for that purpose. You could just see it. Correct. So like if you're a Christian, you'll you'll get a connection, seeing the connection. And even if you're not, you can still enjoy the story as is because... And that doesn't really impact the yeah. story at no. all. So uh, it's it's a great story in the end, you know. Sp- spoiler: the kids win, um, and then they get. Would have been a tragic book series <laughs> yeah. after that. I know, right? They die. Next one, the Next parents one. are digging the dead bones out of Narnia and bringing them back. <laughs> so, so that movie uh, did really well. Uh, it it did well enough that they want that Disney wanted to do a second a sequel. So the budget. For this one was 180 million. Uh, worldwide, it grossed 745 million. Yeah. Very yeah. successful. I remember the first one yes. doing really well. I, I was recommended it by um, some of the employees, or um, and they're like, "Oh, it's really good to see it." And I just never got around to it. It's just again, I was a little old, older. They had eaten when I was working at Disney. Um, they even had a little mini uh, Lion Witch in the wardrobe, uh, little. Like a cutout or display, like kind of like, like mini show oh, where wow. like you actually got to walk through the wardrobe into Narnia into the snow Narnia, oh, and the witch would like threaten you, and then you would leave, and that was it. It was just this little like oh, be the you're best job. threaten people, and then they have to leave. <laughs> it, it was this like thing that Disney did a lot. They did that with pirates. I think I was there when they transitioned that to the next pirates, where they had Jack Sparrow do a similar thing. You walk through and you're in the pirate's world, and Jack Sparrow talks to you. But back to Narnia. Um, so it was a success, and so Disney's all like, go ahead and make another one. So they went to the next book, Prince Caspian, which is with the four same same four kids, where they get taken back into the land of Narnia, um, and they realize it's not the same Narnia as when uh, they left. Uh, that you know a lot of the the magic has been gone, and so the and that they've actually been gone for hundreds of years. So a lot of time has passed since they've been in this world, even though to them it's only been a short time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so where they meet Prince Caspian, who's uh, a prince amongst this people who kind of colonized into Narnia. Um, have kind of conquered it a little bit. 
Um, but then, you know, Mayhem pursues, his life gets threatened by his own people, his uncle, sort of like a, a Hamlet situation mm. where, you know, the, the uncle killed the prince's dad. And then as soon as the uncle had a kid, he tried to kill Prince Caspian. So Prince Caspian, he runs out to the forest, meets all the Narnians, which he didn't know still existed. He thought they were all went extinct. And so he was able to raise an army, and they were able to to win the day. Sounds like an exciting... It's, yeah. it's an exciting adventure story. Um, you know, and so this one, uh, budget, bigger budget. Two hundred and twenty-five million. Ooh. Okay. They their uh, their their gross four hundred and nineteen. Okay. So they like the. I mean, double is good, but with two hundred, they really want three or four times. Correct. Yes. And so, with the results of this, Disney backed out of doing the third one. So, Walden Media went to Fox. How funny. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It went to Fox, and so Fox produced uh, Voyage of the Dawn Trotter, uh, which uh, instead of, we lose two of the kids um, that were in the prior two. You Did don't, they die in the war? No, they just, <laughs> they, they, they no longer were needed in Narnia anymore. So Peter and Susan, the oldest, they are not in this movie, only Lucy and Edmund, and their cousin. That's right. Um, their cousin. What's his name? Oh, he was so annoying. For good reason. That was his role. <laughs> uh, he had a weird name. What's his name? Uh, Eustace. Was his name? Useless. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He's just this whiny kid that's just like, oh, I don't want to be here. And even in the books, you're like, oh, can this guy? Can this kid just get eaten by your dragon already? Like. Like, you, you feel that way. And you know what? The actor does a good and job. And that could be an attraction at the new Dino Land you proposed, right? right? Eat Listen to last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! And they rejoice. <laughs> but, like, it's it's a fun adventure where they're on the search for, like, these, uh, like, the Council of Narnia with Prince Caspian. So they're going to all these different islands uh, outside of Narnia to, to find all these people and, uh, you know, Obviously, there's. It, it, this one has a lot more like smaller plots along the way. You can tell like this one was more like sub journeys and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's like a lot of sub journeys instead of like a massive quest like the other ones were. So this one was just a lot more fun. You got side stories here or there, uh, which were cool. Uh, so that one, uh, budget, 150, and that one came out. So the last one came out in 2008. Um, and then the Voyage of the Dawn Trotter came out in 2010. Um, the budget on this one was 155 million, so smallest budget mm-hmm. uh, out of the three, and the return was 415. Well, I mean, it's a good return. return. So I mean, it did decent, um, but not well enough that um, Fox wanted to continue. No, they had to make really bad X-Men movies. Yeah, they had to make bad <laughs> yes. X-Men movies. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, eventually the uh, the deal with um, C.S. Lewis's estate had ended with uh, Walden Media. And so now I think the movie rights belong to, I think, MGM. Which is now uh, owned, or they're in the 
process of being owned by Amazon? Something like that. And so, like, right now, like, there's been talks about them rebooting the series, but starting with the, uh, the Silver Chair, which is actually, like, the story before The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, but that's been, again, keep in mind, they've been working on this since the last movie came out, which was in 2010. A so... And yeah. MGM's got a lot going on, right? Well, like they said, there's some deal with uh, Netflix, but they said in May of 2020 uh, that they said uh, Netflix has not contacted them about their movie series. They're too busy making other content. <laughs> right. So like the circle. Yes. The reason, <laughs> like the, this movies a series were great. Like they had great actors. They had Liam Neeson playing Aslan the Lion. You know, mm-hmm. like wherever you are, I will find I will you. Find <laughs> you. <laughs> I will eat your face. <laughs> <laughs> this is Narnia. <laughs> Release the Kraken. <laughs> um, you got uh, Tilda Swinton who plays the White Witch. She just. It's so funny because she's only really in, like, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but they kept bringing her back because she was such a good villain in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and so they just brought any excuse to bring her back um, because she was that good. Um, Ben Barnes is Prince Caspian, and then other... Like a Professor uh, Xavier. He was the the goat guy. Yes, uh, James uh, McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Tumnus. Uh, and then you had been Simon Pegg. He was a character. So, like, there was a lot of people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, if you watch it today, the, the CGI and the computer effects, like, they still hold up pretty well. That, that's a big problem yeah. with movies with CGI is you watch them, you're going to be like, eh, you, you can tell to overlook some of it. Most of the money went into that because it still looks good, like, like, you can definitely tell the difference between Aslan in the first movie and the second movie. But um, you can tell, like, the for the most part, it still holds up pretty well, a lot of the CGI. And the story's really good. It's really engaging. Um, it was one of those... I wasn't even... Like, when we first came up with this idea for this podcast, I didn't know what direction to go. Should I go animated? Should I go retro? Should I go, like, you know, the computer that wore tennis shoes sort of stuff? Uh, but then my wife, she put on um, Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia. <laughs> yeah, she put on. She actually put on Prince Caspian, and I go. You know what? These were really good movies, and they need the they spotlight again. They, they need they need the spotlight again, and they even have a special episode in the the prop show. Um, oh yes, I forgot what uh, that was called. Pop culture. Prop culture. Prop That's culture. it. Prop That's culture. It. They had an episode where they talked about the props from the Chronicles, uh, from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Ooh. which was cool to see the the children now adults, oh, you know, seeing their outfits, seeing their outfits or holding their Aww. their swords and shields and like Peter, he, the the actor, what's his name, William um, Mosley or Moses. I don't know. I don't know how to say his name. But uh, he's uh, he picked up his sword and goes, I remember this being a lot heavier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it was a great series. I recommend anyone to put it on. It's great for kids of all ages. My kid, like, like he, it held his attention, my, my oldest. So um, it's it's a great movie for the family. And I think it, it deserves a second look, if, especially if you haven't seen, if you've seen the first one, maybe not the others, they're worth a second look. Yeah. Awesome. 
I haven't seen them. Uh, my wife gets started and I got a small kid, so she just yes. distracts from us finishing movies sometimes. But um, she raves about it. She likes it. Um, so I think it's good. All right, so it's my turn. Um, let's see. I'm going to discuss Mr. Holland's Opus. Do you remember these films? I remember watching it when I was like in college. Okay. I watched it on so. like a rainy day schedule at school. It wasn't on the laser disc of the 3D like <laughs> thing that gives you anxiety and haunts right. your dreams. Um, okay. So I think I remember seeing it relatively I think we rented it or something like that we went to Blockbuster the historic Blockbuster oh, or Video it, Update it was a Hollywood Video uh, Hollywood uh, yeah Video that was or, ours Hollywood we would go video. once in a while to Blockbuster That's well awesome. it was too awesome. like Blockbuster near us and then they closed down and it was Hollywood Video store. there was a Video Update okay well despite that <laughs> we rented Mr. Holland's Opus <laughs> and so the premise of the story oh I'll tell it it came out in 1996 um Budget was only $31 million and it did really well. It got $106 million. So three times your investment, um, and that's why we have a six-movie deal about his different opuses. No, he only nope. did one movie. Um, <laughs> so it's it, the premise of it, it starts in the mid-60s um, with um, Glenn Holland. He is a talented musician who's you know kind of struggling being on the road. He's got a significant other. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do this so I can have time to write my 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 masterpiece, the, my classical piece that's going to be make us famous and it's going to get us in, you know, uh, in the musical world because um, he's playing clubs and on the road and stuff like that in the '50s. And so he's struggling to get his breakthrough, and he's like, you know what? I, in college, I got my teaching certificate, so I'm going to use this. And then in the summertime, I'll have, or in the evenings, I'll just work on my music. And in the summer, I'll have three months to just work on my music. And he starts there, and he's kind of that teacher's like, I don't want to be there. It's mm -hmm. all like he just sneaks in and kind of like, all right, open your books. What is the definition of music? You know, like when you have a teacher start off, you're like, this is going to suck. You know, like <laughs> everybody has that either in like. Yep. A school setting or like maybe even a church setting it's like open up your manuals like okay we're just winging it today aren't we so it's kind of that thought um with the teacher and he's just he's first one to get out and as he's getting into this like teaching rhythm his wife announces i'm pregnant and then he goes okay let's i guess i'll stay here a little bit longer and so a temporary job and side projects really sucks him into this world of teaching and it slows him dream of producing this beautiful piece and as he's his teacher he's affecting the lives of different students that he's not really intentionally trying to but he sees that they need his help and he goes the extra step um, instead of just writing them off like most like society would in the situation he just goes a different angle a different way of teaching um he has his child finds out he is deaf it's devastating for him because his whole world um mr holland his whole world is music, music. it's listening and just mm -hmm. the stimulation of this beautiful art and he can't share this with his child and so he has you know there's these heartbreaking moments where you know he can't communicate with his child and this is the 60s 70s time period yeah where 
the the um, science with speech and hearing are you know my wife was watching this and she's like oh my gosh i can't believe he said to do that you know like there were just moments because uh, my my wife says it, my wife is going into this this field of study and she's just like oh my goodness i can't believe that that's the worst thing you could do and you know so you're seeing this this struggle with this family and this guy who's trying to he's got his dream and you know teaching was his dream job but it's a job it pays for the house that provides for his family and and so you're just you're seeing the struggle and eventually the relationship grows with his son as they start to connect at different levels and you know 30 years go on while he's at this high school and this is the mid 90s at this time when the high school's like you know what we gotta just focus on math and science cutting the arts out and at that point he's like well i'm forced into mandatory uh, retirement and you know he gets the feeling like what was it for you know like mm-hmm. um, it's not even appreciated and it ends in a really heartfelt moment where you know uh there's all his former students they get the music from his wife this opus that he had been working on all his life and he listen he conducts it and his former students and current students kind of play this beautiful piece um i think it's um one of the students they say we are the symphony mr holland we are the melodies and the notes of your opius we are the music of your life and in that note it kind of just sends chills of like Mm -hmm. Yes, you go down this path thinking you're going to do this and it's going to make you famous, but instead your impact goes beyond what your dreams could ever go and changing the lives of these these students. And it's just, it's a beautiful message. And this movie kind of starts the theme of these feel-good movies with Disney. You yes. get Remember the Titans and Radio. Yep. And, and so because of the success of this movie, it, it steamrolls, it, or steamrolls this uh, feel-good, almost Hallmark-esque kind of um, movie trend until you know these movies you know people are just like oh okay we've seen this before triumph over tragedy and here we are um so uh, it but mr holland's opus if you just want that feel good movie it's kind of just been put on the shelf and forgotten and like again this movie came out 25 years ago yeah i mean that's crazy the movie came out in 96 and it talked about a movie in the 60s and now we're almost 30 years later talking about that same movie where the next music teacher is retiring and they're doing his opiate. So it's, it's just, it's a beautiful movie about the teachers and the impact in our lives and the speech community with his son. It just has so many good uh, messages. And I remember there were moments where I was just getting up and I was cleaning. I was like, why do you keep getting up and cleaning? I'm like, I just don't want to keep crying in this movie. <laughs> so it's just one of those, uh, it's a feel good movie. It just, it's Being just a good. parent hits you hard now on these it movies. It just now, hits it? these things harder now. And you're like, gosh, dang it. Why are you just so good at hitting those yes. emotional strings? Like, why do I have to have kids now? I can't watch movies anymore. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So true. Um, okay. Um, and the next movie I have is called Meet the Robinsons. It's an animated feature film by Disney and kind of like this rocky period that people like to poo-poo on. But I think this is one of those little like oh it's a movie that's totally forgotten it's a hidden gem it really is it's a hidden gem um i mentioned what i was doing what this theme of what this podcast was and i told my wife oh uh, i'm watching i'm, I'm going to uh, do meet the Rums. oh are we gonna watch it and i'm like no i'm just 
getting little scenes that I want to write notes on. I'm just like, oh, I really like that movie. I could stop and watch that movie, and I'm like, and that's why I'm picking it. You could just, it just stops you, and it just gives you hope. It's as if you're watching Walt Disney, like. I think that's the direction. That was the direction they were kind of going. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of Walt Disney quotes, a lot of hidden Easter eggs that connect the dots to Walt Disney, so. And so, it just, as watching it as an adult, because I didn't see it in theater, um, because it came out in 2007, I was. You're in the military. I was, I was, I was in another country, and like. There's just this period of movies where I just never saw. I remember like getting, like it was like 2009. I watched Ratatouille and going, that movie was amazing, you know. <laughs> and unfortunately, this movie does have to compete with CGI in that same year. Um, so Meet the Robinsons, uh, its budget 150 million seems kind of normal, very close mm-hmm. to uh, Treasure Planet. Uh, its box office only 170 million. So and 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 the investment of that money and only come about with 20 million. It's just not a a good good thing right there uh starting off um and you look at the cgi it's you look at it now and you're like oh i'd see this on my kids tv show or on my cocomelon kind of like cartoonish yeah. mm-hmm. uh the cgi doesn't really hold up no um and it's hard not to like like i said ratatouille came out the same year and you look at meet the Robins and you're just like oh we are behind and this and as I said, I read the Bob Iger biography, and this is the period where uh, Bob Iger, the president, is trying to bring Pixar back because he sees Pixar is doing great and doing awesome things. And he was like, we need this. We need what they're doing in our animation studios. And he could just tell, like, we are behind. So do you think the animation helped I think it's back? behind. I, I, it may. Um, it's, it's a... And then we're going into the story of the plot. It's a, it's a plot that you have to follow. What I have to say about it, it's like Back to the Future meets, uh, meets the Matrix. Kind of the theme, like the darkness with the AI, the artificial intelligence with sure. with Doris, the, 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 the top hat. So it kind of has... Hat. Yeah, the bowler hat. And so um, we'll start with the theme or with us plotline. Lewis, he is the main character, or Cornelius. He's 12 years old, uh, orphan. He's an inventor. He just fails, and he's just trying to build these things so he can find his, get you know, parents. And he's just not finding the success. He's always failing and making a mess, and he's hard on himself. Um, but an evil saboteur um, comes back in time from the future to interrupt this science fair where he has this ground baking, ground not baking, breaking uh, invention that allows you to reach back in your memories to see, you know, visualize it on like a television screen. He's doing this so he could see his parent or his mother uh, before she, um, or just to see her, um, just to know what she looked like. Um, um, and so, like, the saboteur ruins Lewis's demonstration, throwing the future off. Wilbur, his son from the future, comes in trying to find the time machine, you know, picks up Lewis, and, you know, like, they end up crashing uh, back in 20, or not back, in the future in 2037. And Lewis is trying to fix things, and while Lewis, he gets to meet, you know, uh, Wilbur's family, which is actually his future family. Like I said, it's a little complicated. Yes. And so you're what? just... What? Time travel is complicated? Yes. <laughs> and so this does get... Where's the timekeeper? Yeah, where's the timekeeper or the variant uh, police from Loki? Yes, where is that? 
And so you're going through this whole journey with um, the evil saboteur bowler hat guy who is really Goobs, his old roommate, you know, who's upset and fixated on revenge for ruining his life because he missed the catch because he was asleep because Lewis was... Um, working, all working all night on the invention that was supposed to change his life and it does change the future and makes him this world famous he gets the ball going to becoming a world famous inventor and in the end you know we find out that the bowler hat um, that he's wearing was actually an invention by Lewis who was mad and wanted revenge on Lewis and he create you know changes time and he creates this matrix like world where the humans are just used for the bowler hats to continue um, this this bleak world, it's just very. It, there's parts where it's like, oh wow, this is this is dark, you know. Yeah, this there, yeah. I didn't realize there was it was. It takes a dark turn. There's there, an artificial the like, intelligence, uh, dark darkness about it. And so as we get now closer to like more our algorithm AIs, you're just like, oh boy, when where's the bowler hat with like the scary, right. you know, claws coming out? Um, so you go through this. There's fun characters in this movie. Um, like I said, um, was it uh, uh, Daris or Dearis? Doris. Doris. I can't. That's it. Oh, not an E. Okay, Doris. The bowler hat. You know, like I think you know you're so fixated on Goobs, the bad guy, but it's like no, Goobs is just the vehicle for yep. the hat, and so you you learn that, and uh, you have the dinosaur chasing them with the big head that just brings a little comic relief yeah. here and there. Um, I have a big head and little arms. Little arms. And he's doing it with this dinosaur voice, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't have the tongue articulation that we do to two-speaker language, right? Um, I like Goobs. Is I loved it when he's like he opens up and he's wearing his old uniform. And right. He's just like he's like Goobs. <laughs> <laughs> he just never got over it, and I just like the theme where, or I loved when they do the flashback where it's like. You know, like, everyone's like, hey, Goobs, what's going on, Goobs? And he's like, they all hated me. And he just was so <laughs> fixated in, like, the negativity of it. And, um, you know, it kind of brings up the the keep moving forward is the big message. Um, the, before I get into that, I like the message where there's this example of this person inventing things and failing forward with the family where they're just all, like, they celebrated um his failure uh lewis is going to fix the peanut butter and jelly machine and you know when it fails lewis is like oh i failed again and the family's like oh you did it you failed good job you'll get him next time it was just like the encouragement he needed or just the perspective of like oh my gosh failure is not a bad thing it's a very similar thought process that elon musk has when uh, he does things like people ask him like oh your rocket exploded he goes Good, because now I know not to do that again. <laughs> I, now I don't have to worry about making that same mistake again. He watched Meet the Robins. He watched Meet the Robins. He was like, oh, this movie speaks to me, right? And I think the message, you know, where it's like you can invent a new world for, you know, as a kid. You don't have to rely on an adult to tell you or, you know, give you products for you to consume. It's like you can be an inventor. You can be a producer in this world. And, like, I remember growing up and everybody's like... It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. That's a huge one. A lot of people deal with perfectionism issues. And, and, you know, going back with kids, 
you know, I remember growing up and I was like, I want to be an architect. And people were like, oh, I want to be a bus driver. And like, well, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be the Imagineer. He wanted to be an Imagineer. What did you want to be, Jackie? I wanted to be a waiter. There you go. You wanted to be a waiter. <laughs> and your dream was fulfilled, right? Uh, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got into the, the, that of. field. Yeah. But everyone had this dream of producing stuff. You ask kids now, it's like, what do you want to be? All of them were like, YouTube star. Oh, YouTube. Oh, YouTube star. I want to be YouTube star. I want to be an influencer. I want to be an It's like nobody wants to make anything besides YouTube videos. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, this message really resonated. With 2007, YouTube was just... I know. Who wants to you grow have, like, up? The the generations of dance dude was like number one oh, video. Kind of right? that. It was red hat and red, orange shirt, and he's just there doing his yeah. like. Who want Who wants to grow up and do podcasts for a living? I mean, come yeah. on, yeah. everybody now. <laughs> so like, it just it hits me now going, oh wow, they were really setting up a new generation. Like, hey, invent, think, create. Um, just don't consume. That brings up a memory of mine. It was like in school, our teacher was like, okay, you have to invent something. Come up with an invention. And I thought this was like the biggest invention because I was like, uh, with like paper lunch sacks and how they never had handles on them. Like your lunch paper sack bags. And so I made little handles for my paper sack bags and I was so proud of it but no one was impressed but I was like this is the best invention ever you know people would buy that totally yeah I mean there's like I remember doing the invention aspect in like I think it was fifth grade it was mm-hmm. like how do you take thumbnail or how do you take like thumbtacks out? I remember just like you know, thumbnails get under or the the tacks would get underneath your fingernails oh, yeah, and like separate ones. and you're trying to peel them off and I created something that popped them off and stuff. I kind of ripped it off the guy that had the pop soda pop can oh. thing, but I was like, well, I'll do something that hurts my fingers, not soda cans and stuff. Who works their hand on soda cans? <laughs> Weaklings, but it was for women with like breaking their fingernails, and that's what it was. He was good. He was good. Daniel Brooks, you got it. Um, <laughs> I stole your idea, and that's why I got a D. <laughs> oh, there was also another movie that came out, I th- not too long after that, that had that similar thought process. Uh, Stealing Daniel Brooks's uh, no, mentions. no, about, <laughs> about creating, which was uh, Tomorrowland. Yes, you yes. know, like it was a very similar vibe where like you were meant to be inspired to go and create and do things, which it's hard to find that motivation to make people do that now. Yeah. Come on, Imagineers. 1996 Tomorrowland's calling. (laughs) (laughs) So going back um, to the general themes, um, you know, uh, it it ends, you know, like you always said, the keep moving or keep moving forward, you know, um, it's all based around like a Walt's quote, and we'll kind of finish up with this. Um, around here, this is a Walt quote. Around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors, and doing new things because we're curious, and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. And like you hear that, and you watch the movie, it just gives you a good, feel good feeling of like, hey, you know, there's never, you know. I can just look forward or try to create something new, you know, when inspired. You know, you have your father-in-law, and he's an inventor, and how he just lights up. And I, you just hear, you never hear anybody like, oh, he's an inventor. You know, that's what, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. I always think that's cool when you hear that. And and so uh, uh, I definitely think about that, and like, we need more inventors. 
you know we don't need more we don't need more content except if you're disney give me more <laughs> like and subscribe Please, we don't need any more stop listening to us no. <laughs> please like share yes no so there's just just as we as we as a podcast we we're moving forward we've hit the year mark and, you know we're we're slowly trying to figure out what we can do to make things better with that being said please reach out to us <laughs> and our social medias and comment on movies that you think are underrated um that you know like hey this was a good movie like like some of the considerations i thought was like gus the Gus. donkey the field goal kicking donkey. donkey yes 1976 if you want a weird movie that kind of makes you chuckle it's it's especially like you got that whole i don't think whole, i've ever seen it they've got this whole chase scene where they're chasing this donkey in a grocery store I love it. <laughs> it's it's funny it's just like why why did we think that was good in the 70s but it is just it's, silly it's silly and sometimes that's what we need we yes. need a little silly and like you got another one was like heavyweights and that's oh, yeah. one of those we like, just my wife just watched that one for the first time, and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, my wife did the same thing. It's just underrated for some, really overrated for others. Enchanted yeah. is, I would feel like, an underrated one. Well, it was big. The, They're making a sequel. For Disney+, Plus. Yeah, yeah, Disenchanted yes. is what it's called. So. creative. I know. <laughs> so with that saying, just let it, reach out to us. Let us know what is, you know, underrated to you that deserves, you know, a spotlight and you know, all our viewers will see the comments and like it, and we'll all rejoice and be happy. Um, again, follow us on our different uh, social medias and listen to our past podcasts. Like I said, we've got a year's worth. We've got like 50 plus. We haven't content. missed a week. So we're we doing, we're doing good. We're if you have any ideas of podcasts, I mean, we're pretty good about coming up with ideas, but we love incorporating your guys' ideas. We've done it oh, with, yes. what, three or four or something like yeah. that? Two yeah. Two three? So um, once again, just communicate to us, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll get to it for sure. Um, with that being said, Avidazin. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Matterhorn Yodelers. Please remember, before your bobsled comes to a complete stop, to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember, remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor.